things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed. We'll help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show. Welcome to the Early Careers Podcast. I'm Jack Denton. And I'm Ollie Sidwell. And today we're joined by Helen Sherwood and Matt Roper. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, so we've got Helen Sherwood. She's the school leaver and university placement lead at IBM. And Matt Roper, who's the senior early trading manager at Tui Travel. So guys, perhaps you could introduce yourselves, maybe let everyone know um, how you've got to where you are today and uh, what you kind of do on a, on a day-to-day. So I'm Helen. I've been working at IBM for nearly 25 years, uh, which scares me. I know. (laughs) It it quite scares me when I'm interviewing people that weren't even born uh, when I started working there because it seems like it was only yesterday. Uh, So I started as a project manager's sidekick uh, on a really big defence project. Uh, working with about 50 techies. Uh, So the predominance of my uh, earlier part of career with IBM was doing that kind of thing. And then I went on to do more specific project management and business operation stuff. And then I was working with somebody who saw something in me and said, you know what, I think you'd be really good at this. I was having doubts about it, Mm -hmm. but I spoke to a graduate who was working in the same office as me and he said, no, you'd be awesome. So I thought, okay, do you know what? I'll give it a go. Uh, So for the last five years, I've been managing placement students. And then last year they asked me after covering for a colleague for about eight months, they asked me if I wanted to take over actually leading the scheme for our placement students, both school leavers and university placement students. And we have about 200 students every year. Mm-hmm. And I get involved from everything right from the recruitment side of things yeah. all the way through to seeing them out the door at the other end. Yeah, lovely. Great, Great journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm Matt. So I've been at TUI now for coming up to five years. Um, so I started at TUI on the placement scheme myself uh, oh, back great, in yeah. 2014. So August 14, I started. Um, then when I finished my time there, went back to Aston for my final year, mm-hmm. uh, but was lucky enough to be offered the job back uh, after I finished uni. Um, so went back straight back into the trading team, um, and I've basically just been there ever since. So worked my way up, went over to the late trading team. We've got two sort of divisions within within our trading team at Tui. So time in early's, bit of time in late's, and now over back back to early's um, as a senior manager in the trading team there. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I've also got involved quite heavily since coming back with the placement scheme. So uh, it was originally a buddy on the placement scheme. So each of our placements has a buddy that they sort of have a sort of a mentor throughout the year. So volunteered to do that. Um, and have since been sort of heading up the the comms team for the placement scheme as well. So working with front row placement um, and also ensuring all the sort of social media channels and everything like that is up to date. Um, alongside just interviewing, similar to Helen, for the placements when they come through the door, interviewing them. Uh, and watching them through that year as well uh, and now actually have a placement within my team uh, and manage them as well which is really exciting so amazing yeah. so you are, that's you are me real life placements work indeed i am yeah indeed i am so <laughs> yeah. life cycle yeah. yeah amazing well i guess the topic of today is i guess the, the value of placements now we did a, a podcast in series three with sarah shake and simeon smith from placenet and the topic was, um, why aren't more employers offering placements? So having, a, having a, had a wonderful discussion with them, which we'll recap in a sec, 
we thought, why don't we actually get some employers in and actually understand the value they get out of the placement programme to hopefully educate and inspire those that maybe don't know as much about it or help really tweak and hone those that uh, already run a scheme. So as a recap of the Series 3 podcast we had with Sarah Simeon, there were, I guess, probably four or five different areas that really stood out as to why, from a student perspective, placements are amazing. And from a university perspective, placements are also their direction of travel. What are the key findings, Ollie? The key findings we discussed were, um, so from a student side, they get on average about 4% more uh, in their degrees. So 4% um, higher percentage in their grade. Yeah, right at the end. Wow, we've done good. a placement, we haven't. That was someone at Aston who did that, probably by okay. chance, who did that research. Yep. And when you think 4%, is that enough? Is that a lot? Well, it's a great well, boundary, isn't it? If you, you know, yeah, potentially it's a great boundary. One to a first or? Everyone's usually within about 20%, aren't they, really? So yeah. 4% could be the difference between a grade boundary, which is uh, amazing. One of the other benefits uh, from a student perspective is the whole retention piece. So as Matt, you said, you've gone to find a job, you've then enjoyed yourself and you've gone back. Now, on average, we see that about 54% of students will go back on and work for a company. So someone who's gone and done a placement, just over half of those end up going back and working for, for that, that yeah, employer. Oh, that's absolutely. great, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a real like, it's a great, great opportunity for them to really secure employment, as, as, as Matthew's found. Um, and from a university perspective, I guess universities are really focused on employability now more than ever. We learned that more from the National Undergraduate Employability Awards, which have recently had. The major focus is around uh, TEF rankings, graduate outcome rankings. In some recent research, we're hoping to follow up in a future podcast around graduate outcomes, is that that's now really top of every university's agenda in terms of which rankings they're focusing on. And that focuses on the employability or on the employment of students mm. after graduation. Yeah. So that's something they're really focusing on. And we obviously believe placements are a wonderful way to set that up. Mm -hmm. So the direction of travel is it's great for students, great for unis, but we found why aren't employers offering more opportunities? Yeah. So should we explore why the two experts in the room run placement programs and what you get out of them? Helen, so, let's start with you. So um, we've been doing it for more years than I've been at IBM, that's for sure. Uh, but we've run our school leavers placement scheme for 50 years. It was our 50th anniversary at the moment. 50? Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. And wow. we've had amazing people like the chap who invented the Raspberry Pi. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> he, he did a placement with us before going off to university. Yeah, that's cool. So we're really lucky that we've got the two schemes, the, the uh, post-school and mid-university. Yeah. Uh, so and the post-school um, one, is yeah. that kind of like... Um, in the in what would traditionally be a gap year sort of period, yes. people come along and spend a year in the business. Yeah, and right. there'll be people that just want a break from university. Yeah. Uh, be, uh, sorry, a break from education because they're just, you know, they're melting down really. They just need to find a focus as well. And they yeah. go, am I going to go to university? Should I do an apprenticeship? I don't know what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So they come and work for us for a year and they give it a try. And we have a, we've had 60% of our uh, school leavers this year applying back for apprenticeships, mm. which is amazing. Yeah. On the other hand, we have some that have gone to Durham, 
Cambridge, Oxford, um, and equally... And they may uh, well join later on, on the graduate scheme. And we had one chap who went and he did a, a after school year with us yeah. then he did a placement year with us and now he's back as a graduate right. oh, um, <laughs> yeah so he's had a really yeah. long education yeah. journey but he wanted to make sure at every single turn that it was the right thing for him so it's always about having this considered opinion um, and the reason that we absolutely love our placement <coughs> students is because they come in and they shake things up mm. so okay yeah I've been there for forever and you, we joke about IBM as either stay for up to five years or for life <laughs> um, but the reason that you can stay for life is because you have all of these wonderful minds around you just coming up with amazing ideas and unless you have that raw early talent coming in you're never going to reinvigorate the business you're never mm. going to reinvigorate it you know everybody's thinking and IBM we've got uh, one of our practices is restlessly reinventing ourselves and the world restlessly reinventing I like yeah that. it's almost a tongue twister isn't it it is <laughs> but you know if you think that I've transformed me yeah. you know and as times go on and I'm quite sure that a lot of people who are taking their GCSE options now the the roles that they'll be applying for don't even exist right now mm. so unless you're actually getting in that fresh talent and them coming along and challenging what you're doing uh, without the blinkers on, without the worry about I'm a permanent employee, what if I stuff this up? Because, you know, they, they can they feel a bit more like they can take a chance. They don't, because of course they're, they're looking at the graduate job at the end of it, you know, to some degree. Um, so, but they're, they're fresh and they're not inhibited by you know, what's gone before. They're going, well, why aren't you doing it differently? And I just love that. Yeah. So how have IBM got to that stage then to, to have such, uh, you mentioned your gap year programme. Yes. Yeah. You call it the school leader placement programme. Also the, the actual placement programme you have for university students as well. Like, yeah. So you've got really a, a variety of routes into the business, but I guess it wasn't always like that. And how, how do you maintain that everyone still believes in them so much? Because they prove their worth year on year. Yeah. Uh, they just come along and they deliver time and time again and I think if you do the recruitment really carefully so we look at we don't care about what university people have gone to or what their education is it's about attitude and aptitude mm -hmm. and if they come to interview and they've shown that they've got bags of enthusiasm for the company the technology um, and their own career and their own uh, well-being and personal growth and education then that's the sort of person that we want there yeah. Um, and if you can bring that to an interview, and it's a hard thing to to kind of like find, mm -hmm. so maybe that's why employers are scared about early professional hiring, because you know they're looking for experience, and actually no, you're looking just for potential. It's really hard to spot that. But we've got a team of experts, so I work. There's 25 of us in the IBM early recruitment team. 25. Yeah. yeah. But we all, but we all then go on to manage those people once we've recruited them. So we get those bonds with the people and the task managers as well that are actually, you know, the uh, new hires are working alongside. And so we got this real good bond and understanding of what it is that they want, what they need, and what we're looking for when we're recruiting. Mm. I think this thing with the uh, the um, uh, school leaver placement or. Sort of gap year space. Um, it's pretty cool, and you don't. Um, I haven't heard of huge numbers of employers um, doing that, and I wonder why. Because it it kind of makes a lot of sense, especially now when you see so many employers 
embracing the apprenticeship space and looking to take them on. And you hear the same stories always from people, you know, um, there's problems with quality of candidates that apply to them. That's nearly always the, the issue that they, that they face. Or is this sounds like a really sensible way to create a talent pipeline that you can then plug into. Like you said, I think you said 60% of yeah. those people then went on to apply. Yeah. And of course, those people who apply, they're much uh, more tried and tested before you, you know, um, in, invest in them from, from kind of uh, both parties. So are there any reasons why you think um, other people haven't done them? Or do you think it's just a lack of knowledge and even considering it as an, as an option? I think it's potentially a lack of knowledge. Like from, from our perspective, we've got the apprenticeship scheme that mm -hmm. we run, which obviously takes those who don't want to necessarily go to university yeah. and isn't necessarily catering for that just gap year position. Um, we've got the placement scheme and we've also got now the two degree, which is essentially a full degree run over four years alongside the University of Hertfordshire. So we've got yeah. three schemes out there. But yeah, that's not actually something we've got, got in place. And whether it's a mixture of maybe the companies don't feel those students have enough experience to take on a full-time role and they still know they've then got to go to uni for two years. It, it might be some of that, but actually, as you mentioned, that retention rate of 60% applying later, you're not losing the majority of those students. You're actually keeping them. Yeah. And I think for me, it's probably a lack of knowledge on companies doing that. Um, and actually, it could be a really good way of getting some early talent, even earlier than the placement yeah, scheme, yeah, and yeah, getting them yeah. into the business and learning about them. Yeah, I think the perception is, ooh, 18-year-old. Well, actually, a university placement student is actually only 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you could have a school leaver who's done combined cadet forces. They've done their gold Duke of Edinburgh. They've, they've proven themselves more than most people in the whole building have done by the time. <laughs> I like that. No, but you, you see these, these uh, young people and you're just going, oh, my goodness, how have you fitted all that in already? Uh, and they've done a really meaningful part-time job and it wasn't just part of the Duke of Edinburgh scheme. They didn't just do the charity stuff just because they had to, yeah. which we see, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, it's a mm. bit of lip service. But you see real quality talent uh, talent coming through and it doesn't matter what age they are, just because they haven't gone to university yet doesn't mean to say they're any less uh, well-rounded than a university student. The only thing they haven't done is live away from home. Yeah. And of course, for employers that and maybe trying to get a catchment from a wider area and they're expecting their students to live near where they work rather than near home. Mm -hmm. That's probably the only pinch point. But even then, our school leavers, a lot of them house shared just as our university placement students do. Right. Yeah. Um, just, and just actually, mature, just as ready to get that's something you help them with or they just figure out on their own, you know, they're grown-ups and they're, you know, they're adults by then. No, we, we, yeah. we kind of, it, it's a little bit, helping them to help themselves because yeah. at IBM we don't spoon feed them at all mm -hmm. um, but we give them a Facebook group and we say these are the people joining at the same time as you at the same location as you yeah. um, house share and we leave it up to them so yeah. if they want to then they can um, and we'll support them um, in finding people but we won't you know, make it happen. Yeah, them. sure, yeah. makes sense. And you do that for the university placement scheme as well. Absolutely. So, so we we treat them all the same. They go into the same roles as well. So the task a task manager right. one year might have a school leaver. Following year, they might have a university placement student. Right. Um, because we're trying to recruit the same level of candidate, and it shouldn't matter how much experience mm. you've got. It's about that attitude and aptitude because they'll have never done the job. Yeah. So That's how good. could they have experience in it? Yeah. yeah. Well then. The structure I'm, I'm really interested in, because you've said there that you, the, the people you recruit are the people you then look after afterwards. Yep. Now, I don't think that's, that's true across all companies. That's quite, it might be quite 
yeah. unique. Yeah. So career managing uh, school leavers and placement students is really important. Uh, there's a pastoral care element of there. We're all mental health first aiders. Oh, uh, you? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, a whole team of 25 team. of us. Um, we've all done our safeguarding training. Mm. We know the trials and tribulations that people living away from home might be having, people who aren't used to meeting um, and working with different generations. It's a lot of things to overcome. And if you're living away from home, working, you've got all the problems of balancing your finances and everything, um, and trying to find your career direction at the same time, Mm. Um, yeah, great, it great can be a challenge. Yeah. So um, we're just there as a in the background, um, and we'll do reviews with them, and we'll make sure that they're in line with their university work as well. Because of course, some universities get you to do a lot of work, others get you to do none. Um, but we make sure that they're all on track with, you know, are you doing what you need to do to fulfil your placement objectives? Mm. What's, what's the setup there? With so the, the yeah, it's a setup at two. So we're in our twelfth year now of the placement scheme. Yeah. Um, so, very successful placement scheme. Very successful placement scheme. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Recently came third in the Ring of Placement Awards this year. Oh, congratulations. So, um, yeah, really, really pleased. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so the setup is so we've got currently twelve students in placement this year, thirteen next year. So we've been growing the scheme. It's a lot smaller than company like like IBM's is. Um, and the way we manage it, we've got a placement team who look after the whole sort of recruitment aspect, the pastoral aspect as well, but they're volunteers to do it alongside the day-to-day -day job. And yeah. then we have HR coordinators who help us and support us alongside that. And that placement team's actually bigger than the number of placements we've got on mm. the scheme. And that's and because there's lots of people are doing a, a volunteer type role, so it might not be a full-time yeah. role, they just do bits and pieces. Exactly, we've got a head of the scheme, um, yeah. Iona, and then obviously we've got some heads underneath, and myself at the comms team, and then they've got some L&D sort of support as well. Um, but then yeah, a lot of those volunteers underneath um, sort of do it alongside their day-to-day -day jobs. And actually what we've found is they also experience a real benefit from having a placement mm. that they can either mentor, they can volunteer for the scheme, they get experience in like communications and doing things like this, I guess. You don't get the opportunity to do that if you don't have that placement scheme there. And that's another real benefit that we've actually found is a lot of the full-time employees actually benefit from the placement scheme as well as the placements themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we don't have a set, so the people who interview don't necessarily always manage the, the placement students, but they go into full-time roles where there's experienced managers who have managed placements over a number of years anyway. So they know what to expect with regarding sort of supporting through their university work, um, supporting how they sort of meet each other when they first start and supporting them through the sort of process mm. of moving down to the area. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not quite the same, but we've got that full support structure there. And a lot of the managers um, are very experienced around having placements in their team and how that works. Yeah. Um, but essentially it's a full-time job. So if we didn't have that placement there, we'd have to employ, employ a graduate to do yeah. that job. And actually what we've found is, is that sort of responsibility that they get that's made the scheme really successful. They're doing that job and it's that year-long interview that I think you mentioned in the PlaceNet uh, podcast that yeah. essentially we're seeing, can they do that job for a year? If they enjoy it, great. If it works for us, they come back into the same role. They hit the ground running after a week back and you've got this full-time member of staff who can progress really, really quickly. Um, so yeah, that's how it sort of works as successfully as it has for us. So yeah. I think that's interesting for anyone listening because... You know, there's a range of different types of employer who are running placement programs at different sizes. So some people are much more established and doing it for a long time. And of course, they've kind of got a really efficient, streamlined system that they've done over many, many years. And so they're probably the people, if you want to learn like the main principles of what you should be doing, 
you know, that's how you can do it. And then there's other companies who are big companies, but they've got smaller schemes, which probably then is probably more accessible to somebody who hasn't started a scheme yet to say, well, we don't have to start with 100 placement students or what have you. You can start with much smaller numbers and um, you can kind of see the value that that creates and slowly build over time. Like you said, I think you add in one, one additional placement student this yeah. year and so on. So that makes it um, yeah, much more accessible for you. Because I think that's probably one of the worries that people have is that this all sounds wonderful, mm. but how do I go from zero to this wonderful program that's really streamlined and you know, it's adding lots of value to the business? Yeah, it's definitely a journey. So from all the companies that we, we see with placement schemes, no one suddenly goes from zero to, to, to 50 or zero yeah. to 100 straight away. Yeah. We see that there's always a gradual in, uh, incremental growth to work out, let's get four in, let's see how they work in different business areas, let's see the value they produce, and then let's almost resell that to other business areas. I suppose it's working out which business areas it works for, because it probably doesn't work for every business area, and yeah. it probably works really well for some. So yeah. it's, I guess it's trying to figure that out, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, we have got everything from HR all the way through to like hardcore tech. Um, yeah. So I guess we're really, really lucky. But it's about having the right managers for the students to work alongside. That even if you haven't got a dedicated career manager, as it were, you've got somebody who can empathise with the student, understand them, nurture them along the way, and just support them. And if you've got a team that are happy to bring them up, mm. you know they'll get as much out of it as the student will. You mentioned um, a minute ago, Matt, about um, speed to value, you know, yeah. kind of like how you can quickly get people once they enter back into the business. But maybe we could talk a little bit about speed to value and some of the, the cost savings associated with that. Mm. I don't know if Ollie's got a couple of stats, he probably has got a few in his back pocket. <laughs> uh, yes, I guess, again, from the PlaySnet podcast, we did pitch these out. It's a good one to, to remind everyone that for graduate recruitment, so recruiting graduates, the ISE data is it's about three and a half grand to get a student and recruit one, so whether that's attraction and marketing as well as assessment and selection, it's quite a variety depending on the industry, right? Yeah, I think laws, laws like nine grand. Yeah, that's uh, uh, a bit low, a bit but low. yeah, three and a half is about your, your average. And we see from, from companies on rate replacements, it's about half that, so it's about 600 pounds to recruit in terms of marketing and attraction, and then you've got to do the uh, assessment and selection as well, so it averages out about half the cost to get a graduate. I guess if you can keep them, then they're By the free, yeah. free graduates effectively after that. So from a, a cost perspective, it's a lot cheaper. However, the big downside is they don't, they're not suddenly in the business forever. They're yeah. there for a year and then they might come back in two years time. So yeah. it's that kind of play, which is a bit different. And it's getting that, that mindset and that long-term belief and that value into people's minds that actually by investing in this now, you're going to get the value in the long term. Yeah. I think as our scheme's gone on, our attention's got better as the scheme's improved, yeah. we've seen more placements return. So our average over the past 11 years is 51%, so pretty much bang in line with yeah. what the overall statistic is. But over the last three years, it's over 70%. Oh, wow. So it's really been improving as you've yeah. gone through. Um, and actually- if you, cool, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really good. And if you look at sort of, we've had I think 25 placements return since I was on placement in 2014 to mm. the business, and only two of them have, have since left the business. So there's 25 in the past six years. We've still got 23 of those in the business in management level roles. And it's, as you say, you can keep that retention rate yeah, yeah. as the placement scheme improves and you give 
that benefit to the student while they're on placement, they're more likely to want to come back as well. Yeah. 92% um, retention rate, that is. He's worked it out. 92%, <laughs> there you go. So 90% of those who've returned are still there. Yeah, so yeah. Um, still that, that's, well. that's over the last six years. And they're still, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm in that and we've got lots of people who are now in sort of, as you say, senior level positions um, and have progressed really, really quickly through. And it's that... Probably not going very far. Not very going, but well. I'm, yeah. I've got no intention to, to yeah. go very far anytime soon because I'm still really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's it's that year in industry, I think you talked about it in the PlaceNet from a student perspective, actually getting that year in industry gives them so much knowledge and experience and give, makes them more employable post-university. And it's those skills they have in that year that they can come in as a graduate alongside other graduates, but actually progress quicker. They've got that experience, they know what the working environment is like. And you can see that progression sort of quicker in the placement students against some graduates in some cases as well. Um, so yeah, I think if you can get that retention right, the cost saving can be really, really good. Yeah, we absolutely love it because um, if you compare an external hire versus a rehire, an mm -hmm. intern coming back as a grad, th there can be up to about 40% difference in retention rate. Wow, yeah. And huge, and that just speaks to the business. Absolutely. Product. I mean, and the only additional cost that we see in bringing back our graduates is doing a, a business uh, suitable. Uh, interview mm -hmm. so yeah they've had a year-long interview but they might want to work in a different part of the business that they weren't in yeah. and so we just make sure that we have a a fitness uh, yeah. interview to make sure yeah you are actually the right skill for that and we do still do external hiring because there will be some roles that just have to have a specific skill and we can't get from our intern population but about 80% of our interns want to come back and apply back mm -hmm. and I, I think that's really good some of them go on to do their masters others go on to do other things but it's not it's not a bad uh, thing to do to have them yeah. back because as you say the speed of, yeah. of getting up to yeah. uh, being working and also because we are doing external hires at the same time they are then mentoring the external hires at the same time the so placements? yeah, the, yeah. the placement students that have come yeah. back as, as graduates they're, they're working as mentors for the new external hires it, yeah they, they all start on uh, the same induction uh, the rehires and the external hires right. and so they all bring each other up and mentor each other all, all along the way um, so it's quite a good buddy system to have really so um, we touched on it when we were talking with um, uh, with the PlaceNet guys and um, this, so this seems to be that everyone's in agreement that place, placements are brilliant. University thinks they're brilliant. Employers think they're brilliant. Um, but they're still pretty small. They're a very much a minority thing. Now, there's sort of three areas why I sort of figure why it might be the case. And it'd be good to get your take on it. So I get, just trying to use some common sense, it's either that there's not enough opportunities at university, so people don't sit onto those courses and therefore um, there's a smaller pool. Or it could, and that might be chicken and egg because there's not enough employers offering placements so yeah, universities don't do it. And then maybe there's a third piece, which is um, people are not um, really thinking about them. So at the school level and college level, they're not educated to consider that to be an option. It's uh, you either going straight into the world of work, you're doing an apprenticeship, or you're um, going to go to university three years and then get a job during a graduate scheme. So where, where do you think it lies? Why aren't there more? And why isn't it growing as quickly as it... Because it kind of... There's a disparity between, it doesn't make sense. When you listen to, I think the PlaceNet guy saying from the university perspective and from employers, it seems to make total sense. But there seems to be something 
there that doesn't mean it's not exploding in the way that it, it kind of seems that it should be. Because I think employers have this misconception that, oh, it's a resource for a year. Oh, they won't know what they're doing. Oh, I've got to spend a lot of effort in getting them up to speed. Mm. Oh, I might as well just go to a agency and get a cheap resource for a year or however long. Mm-hmm. Um, fix it, fix it, fix it quick. quicker. Yeah. Yeah, by spending yeah. more money to do so rather than investing longer term. Yeah, they just think, oh, I just need a resource. And it's yeah. not about that. It's creating the pipeline. And I think for the smaller employers, if you were to go to your local university, uh, your further education college, or even your local schools, Mm -hmm. and you find out what pertinent courses are going on and actually speak to the courses maybe, um, and maybe go along and and deliver a module. I've gone to two uh, colleges right near me and done a good couple of talks now about what we have to offer and they're all going oh my goodness didn't know all about Mm. that Um, and just about getting the word out there it's not a lot of effort and it's absolutely minimal cost to actually involve yourself with the colleges and of course you're then informing the courses as well and you're giving them some real world real world perspective rather than um, just the lecturer's perspective and so to me that that's the the in and you go along and you find your first student and you have them for a year. But then they go back to university and they advocate for your programme. And then you've got no cost at all or very minimal cost. And you make sure that the careers advice service know that you've got one or two or however many placements. And you get a raft of applications that you don't know what to do with. But as time goes on, you, you spot the talent. Um, mm. And then they come back as a graduate. And before you know it, it's perpetuating quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, about, what about a TUI though? Because obviously you've grown the, the TUI placement programme in a very different way. Like yeah. How did you suddenly go from just having people in? Because you must have had to justify really quickly. Whereas IBM is a huge company. It's, very, you know, it's quite a lot of students there in different areas to... to to plug into that yeah. very different. Yeah, I think it started off as a commercial placement scheme. So it was more just one division who sort of started it off. Mm. Um, because I think it might have been they had that, that gap of resource. They saw it was an opportunity to get a few few people in. But it did start off, I think it was about 10 people we started off in the first year. It shrunk mm. back down to about seven and then we've grown it back up to the, the 12 we've got now. But I think it was more, we'll give it, give it a go, see how it works. But as you say, once you start to see those benefits coming through and it was that retention rate, um, the quality of candidates and how quickly they progress once they come back, that's enabled us to keep saying, actually, we need to keep this placement scheme in place yeah. um, and getting the the senior people of, of the teams who we're trying to place them into, recognising that value. Um, and that's how actually, and then obviously when you get recognised for a placement and you see all the retention rates around the business, as we've started to shout about sort of the success of the scheme a bit more internally, it's grown from a commercial scheme to other areas of the business saying, actually, you know, I, I quite want a placement in this. I kind of fancy a placement in my area. Yeah. So we've had finance come to us and say, yeah, we, we'll, we'll take a placement. We've had marketing in our crystal division and our crystal team down in Surbiton are actually now having three placements for next year. And previously, they were totally separate to us in Luton. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, it's, so you incubated it, basically. In yeah, we sort of started sites. it and grew it in a, in a yeah. smaller area. And that success, as more people have found out about it, has enabled them to say, actually, you know what, I think I'll take on a placement then. One we thought from we found we've got two engineering placements this year, um, and they used to run a lot of their positions are sort of year long, it's sort of internships of students for people anyway. So it kind of makes sense for them to well actually engineering offer a lot of placements anyway. It's an industry mm-hmm. where placements make sense. So why don't we align with the placement scheme and get students for a year that way? And actually, if they're really good. 
then they can come back when they finish uni. So yeah. I think it's about, we, we start at relatively small in one area, but once people find out about that success, it's enabled us to sort of push it out a little bit more. Yeah. So, so saying that one of the reasons from the employer, employer perspective why we think that maybe there aren't more is because there's a, a perceived hassle factor in terms of setting it up. Absolutely. So who do you think should be, um, who do you think should be driving this? Should it be employer-led? Should it be the university-led or somewhere else? And it'd be kind of good, you know, like um, you know, like the placement organisations, right? So there's Placenet and there's another one, right? Asset. Asset. Yeah, I catch it involved in this as well. So do they? Do they just have? Um, uh, are they just university memberships? So it's just, or do employers also join those organisations? Good, good question. So employers can go along to those their conferences every year. They can be part of the network where the universities have really picked up their game and in fact coming back to the new awards which we just had in some of the university categories there's never been more curriculum linked employability modules across all the nominations it's amazing how the transformation from actually the academics are now picking this up and saying right we want to have employability front and center as part of the module because we know how important it is yeah you've also then got as a positioning difference which i think Simeon also spoke about in his uh, um, placement podcast about it's now you go to university as a student and you get offered a four-year course with a placement year. Right, yeah. When previously it was well, three years with an optional placement year. Yeah. They just switched it around. And I think the universities are now really um, realising just that's such an important way to focus and students are now choosing a university based on employability far greater than they used to be. So I think in 2007, some research from YouthSite, uh, the research company, I think it was about 47% of students chose or chose their university based on how good it was for employability. Yeah. Now, two years ago, that jumped right up to 56%. So it's now the second most important reason students choose to go to university, yeah. Yeah. which shows you just the importance of universities really repitching and repositioning their focus on, you know, you coming here to learn and develop your skills. Yeah. I'm, I'm even seeing load more applications from universities like Durham, who traditionally mm. haven't advocated placements. No. But you know, I'll go. Oh, you know, I normally yes, see I normally see a big pile from Loughborough, Aston, Bournemouth, the, the usual that yeah. do really push the employability skills. And now, when you see Durham, I mean, the day that I see something from Oxford or Cambridge, I'll probably faint yeah. um, because, <laughs> because they they ad actively actually discourage any work or anything like that for whatever reasons I'm sure that there's some um, there's good reason behind yeah. it but you know when you're seeing ones coming through from Durham in a good quantity now it's like okay they've realized now it's really important how employable somebody is you know when they're actually going for that graduate job having brilliant academics is one thing but actually being able to talk to people and hit the ground running and think creatively in a workplace uh, you know on your feet all the time mm. it is very very important mm. so. yeah I know when I was looking for university I knew I wanted to do a year a year's placement and actually that led me towards Aston as one of the one of the choices I had because they are quite famous for offering a lot of their degree courses in business were four-year sandwich degrees yeah. so I think from from a student perspective when I was starting it's like if it's an optional one I'll probably get to that stage and think uh, do I really fancy doing all that research and all the applications? I'll probably just leave it. Whereas when it's a four-year course, and as you say, more universities are doing that, and actually the more they do it, it sort of not forces students' hands, but means you've chosen to do it. So you, mm. you start thinking about it from the moment you start. So that first year something becomes more important. The second year when you go into these careers fairs, 
and it really encourages more students to just start thinking about it yeah. a bit more yeah. when you get that four-year fixed degree in there then that's sort of i think and that that's why as i said i went i deliberately chose that four-year course so i knew i had to do it because it sort of pushed me to go in towards that area yeah. my daughter did exactly the same she said yeah. right she went through the league tables this is this one this is that yeah. one plus this one does a definite placement yeah and because right. you don't want half your course mates going off and doing exactly. it and then you're not exactly. because you you raise each other up don't you yeah. by you know, all following the same path yeah, yeah. so you it's really don't want to come back on your final year and you know nobody because exactly. they've all decided yeah. to carry yeah. just their three and you're the only one who's who's done it so. but other universities now are doing a five-year degree where they're going straight through to do their masters but right. their penultimate year is a placement mm-hmm. um, that's interesting so switching things around and adding things on yeah switching things around <laughs> adding things on because they're seeing more and more people go you know and do their masters so but if you fail your masters you don't actually even get your bachelor's ouch apparently <laughs> i don't i <laughs> not sure I'm that, 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 that's kind of what i found out yesterday um I'm, i might be completely off mark yeah. um, i'm sorry universities out there <laughs> um if i got it wrong but that's uh, so it's unusual to see you know the student with so much more to offer um, but still needing that placement and they realise it's because they need those employability skills because without them you're up against such a tough market anyway of so yeah. many more students with very similar degrees how are you going to differentiate yourself? Mm-hmm. So I went to the um, Open University Employability Conference yesterday in Milton Keynes and there was Doug Cole who heads up the employability team at Nottingham Trent University he's trying to coin this term of learnability in terms of, so everyone thinks about what is employability, it can be in many different guises depending on who you come from and what, what it means, but he's, he thinks actually your ability to learn, whether it's your behaviours, your attitudes, like you spoke about earlier with the attitude as well, um, that's what we really want to focus on because if, if students can start to be very good at learning, there's so much change happening in the world that you're going to be always, always changing and putting in different situations. So if you have a great ability to learn, then actually you're going to continue to grow in your career, whether it's at university or then in... Growth mindset, growth mindset all the way. Yeah. 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 So do you guys think there should be a more coordinated effort from, I don't know, the ISE, the placement bodies, uh, AGCAS, RMP, working together to basically say, look, we're all in favour of... Because it seems to be that everyone seems to interested in doing it but no one seems to be driving it forward as a as a totally joined up agenda it seems to be that individual businesses are doing it off their own back but without like a coordinated um effort universities are pushing it really a lot but it doesn't seem to be all joined together you know i think there needs to be that drive order or if i no that's it's a good question i think as, as matt said you went from being a company that didn't offer placements yeah to then finding a department that suddenly took seven yeah right now, that's the key because there's, going to, there's a big bunch of companies that already offer these things, offer placements, and they're continually growing at, I think, 3 to 5% a year on average. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other companies out there that might be smaller, uh, might be like medium-sized companies, and they're the ones we're seeing huge growth in because they're the ones that haven't done this before and suddenly, like I say, incubate it somewhere and realise, wow, this is cool. Yeah. So how do we find those companies? Those would be the employers that if we can find those to do it, all of a sudden all the universities will have a lot more opportunities to share with their employers. It's sort of like trying to create a wave though, isn't it? So talk about apprenticeships, right? Mm. There's obviously been a big wave of that. And then everyone who hadn't had a programme has gone, 
Brilliant. Let's, we should definitely start an apprenticeship. Yeah, I know yeah. there's a different incentive because there's the levy and there's some funding with it. But it's almost like, I don't know, maybe these events do because I'm... You, Placements is not my area. It's not something you know we particularly specialise in, um, but I I don't seem to see events where it's kind of like, you know, um, starting. There's loads of events in the last two or three years about starting an apprenticeship program. This is how you should do it. This is how you yeah. go about it. But you don't see those on this is how you start a placement program. These are the value. This is the Maybe it'd be a great business venture for a uh, agency. Yeah, you know, working alongside uh, universities and local employers. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, it is down to local employers next to universities to to work together and that collaboration. Yeah. Um, it's so, hard to coordinate, isn't it? Yeah, it's not going to yeah. probably not going to happen. Yeah, and, and if you're scared about you know what does what does potential look like? How do I spot that? And it's really not your forte and your hiring team are used to experienced hires and looking for, you know, the skill set that they need to get now. If you're trying to look for that potential, how do you spot that? So you maybe you need a trusted advisor, Mm. some kind of agency. If you're you're a university staff in the room, you'd say that's our role as as a placement officer, as anyone in the careers office, their role is to, some of them, their role is to actually go out and source local employers yeah. that they can then offer uh, experiences to. And whether that's a week-long work experience, a summer internship or a year-long placement, that's what they just want to find anything that, that works. Yeah. So it's I guess, trying to find the whiffums for that, that employer to suddenly go, you know what, this is a brilliant idea. Yeah, maybe it is that coordinated approach you say like, you've got the universities, you've got the agencies, you've got the businesses, but getting them all together and actually having some kind of area where you can say that these are the benefits, this is how you set a scheme up, this is the things you need to look for when you're employing placements and it is different from when you're looking for that experience and graduates and stuff. And once you've got that, that support structure, I guess, from other businesses of the uni supporting the businesses who want to start it can, mm. can come that way. Um, but I guess it's who starts it and how do you get to that business <laughs> in the first place? But mm. um, I think that's probably a good way to, mm. to do it because everyone's got their own good experiences, but there's no any sort of central place where everyone can share those successes potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds like a great action for anyone listening. <laughs> if you've got any ideas, do, uh, do email in. We'd love to, love to hear from you. Um, so I think it's a bit of like a recap from what we've discussed. We've discussed at the start that the importance from a student perspective that they get a job, almost half of them get a job almost guaranteed uh, at the end. They're going to get a high degree score for doing it. So it's really worth it from a student perspective. Doing placements at the university is only going to uh, increase the more they focus on employability. Seeing the likes of Durham starting to do placements is a massive step change. If the red bricks are going to really start to do more of these and almost compete with the likes of your Loughboroughs, your Astons, your Bournemouths that have really championed um, work-based learning. And then from an employee perspective, you're, you've both spoken about just how integral resourcing your business is by bringing some brilliant talent in that can really challenge and almost mentor yeah. <laughs> current people. And it's more cost-effective. And it just takes a bit of time and belief to actually get that initial setup going and then once you get that education across the wider business, it's then established as, as IBM can be. Yeah. Um, maybe I can ask a special question now. Ooh, go on then. Uh, is there anything that um, we haven't asked you yet that we that we should have asked you? Um, well, there, there was one thing I was thinking about actually. So you mentioned at the start, Helen, around the new ideas that placements can bring and the fresh thinking. Yeah. And actually the way 
obviously in in the TUI in the TUI scheme, they go straight into a, a job alongside the graduates. So potentially, it's slightly harder sometimes for them to show all their creative skills. So the way we've done our scheme is they actually take on two business projects throughout the year that the placement team source for them. That is director level thoughts we want to. Um, so one of them have had in the past is how do we introduce bag drop at Gatwick Airport? Um, how do we look at improving our concept in the holiday villages? Mm. Um, how can we attract more solo travellers and single parents to book our holidays? And actually, we've given these projects to the placement students, different from the day-to-day roles, different from what their degree is, and actually they've come up with some really, really good ideas. Really? And to right. take the solo traveller uh, um, single parent offer, um, we hadn't really come up with this essentially what we could do. So they suggested, why don't we do some specific discount code? And actually, we've run that once. It was so successful. We've run it again since. And that was their idea they came up with. But something that fresh idea, someone had looked at it from, from scratch, as you come up with an idea that those in the business hadn't necessarily thought about yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's that, that, second, that second piece around how sort of that different thinking from placements when they come in with those fresh ideas from university and giving them these two projects at the year enables them to do that, even if the day-to-day role doesn't always give that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so right. you get that good balance of the day-to-day role, and they're learning that, which is what they do when they come back, and you've got the two projects alongside yeah. it to give them that opportunity to be a bit more creative and give their ideas. That sounds really good. I think for, the, for universities listening, they would love to take that as a, as a case study. You know, what can we do yeah. and present a real-life example as a project to give to students at any university? They're crying out for stuff like that to really align with uh, not only the curriculum, but also just get more employers involved. So I think real life business challenges are awesome. Yeah. 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 I've got a couple of amazing wins. So I had one student, she was first in the whole of her estate to go to university, right? She was an Aston student, she was amazing, but she had absolutely no point of reference about Mm -hmm. life. So come the three three month mark, she was really feeling um, imposter syndrome. She, Mm. but by the end of her placement, She'd uh, designed something, uh, a pivotable part on a website that actually secured a $5 million signing. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, But the the most amazing thing that she did is uh, she mentored five movement to work students. So they come to IBM for a four week placement. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had this idea that she was going to do this this, uh, website. Um, Not one that... Uh, the signing one but another thing and uh, she said I haven't got the resources to do it can I come along and uh, work with these students and we said yeah she picked the team of five people that she wanted to work with Mm -hmm. they worked with her for four weeks and they pulled together a website so from being not in education or employment to working together as a team so Mm. she mentored them all the way through this process Mm -hmm. and she's absolutely amazing and she's just been shortlisted in uh, an award recently and another one of my students um funniest application form ever i was i was rolling around laughing uh when i read it because his opening line said i'm a savvy business student so you you know you've got a live one when you see one like that um but by the end of his year he had automated his role by 80 percent Oh, yeah, cool. um, so you went off, you learned... Brave, all... A lot of people wouldn't do yeah. that. So yeah. 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 Out of a job, but... He, yeah, 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 but it gave him the chance to go off and do other things. Yeah. And he said, I can learn this, I can learn this. And then he was teaching other people as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was going, I don't know anything about this, but what can I find out? And so, of course, then he's reverse mentoring his management mm-hmm. team in all of our new technology because they haven't got the time to learn about this. But he went and learned about it and then went and showed them it in action and then was doing work with local charities and everything as well, saying, well, why don't you build a chatbot for this and why don't you do that? Mm-hmm. And just absolutely yeah. amazing stuff. Great, great, great case yeah, yeah. So uh, what's next for the programme for you? Or do you have any big next steps? Um, I think for us, it's obviously we're growing again slightly this year. We've got a new role um, in our crystal division, the marketing team. So it's really good to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and just keeping finding those sort of business uh, challenges for the, the patients to get involved with. Um, hopefully keep growing, I think is the aim. Mm. Um, we'll see how the marketing one goes. We've always wanted to get a marketing one on board because we know there's a lot of demand out there for, for marketing placements. So yeah. to have that there will be really good. Um, and yeah, just hopefully keep keep the success uh, coming and that retention rate, keeping it as high as we can, I think will be sort of our aims going forward. Nice. Well, just so you know, the marketing placements is the most searched placements yeah. on Radio Facebook. This is what we're, we're, right. we're, we're no. really, really okay. trying to get. We've always had marketing placements. We always get loads of applicants for them. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. very, very popular because yeah. you can get them from almost any degree background, but the majority come from any sort of business backgrounds as well. Right. So very yeah. popular. We opened for marketing students and we stayed open for an hour before oh, wow. we hit complete saturation this year. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of applications. Um, so for IBM uh, this year, I, th- I think that our biggest challenge is making sure that we have recruited everybody for our summer starts. So of course, we're halfway through recruiting for this year, yeah. uh, but we're having to go to uh, virtual hiring at the moment. So we're doing all of our interviews. Yeah, the modern um, world. The modern do, world. Yeah. Absolutely. So rather than getting them uh, to travel through London or anything, um, just getting just doing it remotely, which is going to be uh, fun uh, and quite a good challenge. And then the next challenge is for our futures induction. So our gap year. Um, we're doing a residential course this year with them. So three-day residential course just to get them really hitting the ground running because school leavers, um, you know, as switched on as they are, they haven't ever had to do the freshers fair and the the week and and joining in things. So we're just making sure that they can really hit the ground running and we're hoping to get a few more this year as well. So this year we've got uh, about 13 future students of the uh, gap year program um, mm-hmm. and we're hoping to get to about 24 Great. for this year so well wonderful yeah really good um thanks very much for coming on the show um it's been wonderful having you here um do you, what, do you want to leave them with a what, what tip they would give to any employers listening okay yeah what tip would you give yeah. to any employers listening so, so maybe those that are either run a scheme already and want to grow it or those that haven't really run a scheme or like run an internship scheme or might be a law firm that do an insight day only. Or yeah. what I can't imagine many law firms are going to go to places. Well, not unless you're giving the tips, mate. That's yeah. not the work, <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Well, was, do you have, I mean, obviously I've just sprung this on you, but do you have a... Top tip uh, just 12 stories. top tips. 12, 12, 12. <laughs> I, just, I just say switch off all your preconceptions of what you think a 18-year-old or a 20-year-old is like. Just because you might have one in your house doesn't mean to say they're all like that. Um, just be open-minded and think that they have seen things that you've never even imagined and they're imagining things that you don't even think you'll ever see. So just be completely open-minded and embrace them. 
Yeah, and do you, as you've sort of touched upon, you don't have to jump in with 50 students straight away. You can start it relatively small. Yeah. As long as you've got that support structure there, people who are volunteering onto the day-to-day roles, it gives them the opportunity to learn stuff, those who are full-time volunteering. Yeah. But also, once you can start to show the benefits of that scheme, even on a small scale, it can grow quite nicely from there. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I'd say. Brilliant, wonderful. <laughs> um, well, thanks very much. Um, I've been Jack. And I've been Ollie. And that is the Early Careers Podcast. Adios. Bye. (laughs) For all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show.